Thanks for listening to First Baptist Church of Conway. We pray that this message is both an encouragement and a challenge to you as you grow in faith in Jesus. We are happy to provide this resource to you, but as you know, this alone cannot meet the need we all have for fellowship and corporate worship. So we hope you'll be able to join us this Sunday at 10 a.m. Or if you're not in the area, give us a call and we'll do our best to help you find a good church to visit. For now, here is this week's message. Well, good morning. I'm glad to be here with you as we finish up our follow series for the past Seven weeks we've been investigating this call from Jesus to people who are interested in him to follow him, and he made this clear over and over again to the people who were just fascinated, interesting, or or wanted something from him. And we learned, well, a lot of different things. We've learned that everyone is invited to follow Jesus. It's an invitation into a relationship with him. We've learned the end goal of following him is to have this faith that overwhelms our fears. We learn that followers clothe themselves alike. We learn that following Jesus will cost you something. We learned it's better to follow God's will than try to impose your will on him. And we also learned last week that followers make great leaders. And I hope the question you've been asking yourself over and over again through this series is, am I personally following Jesus? Today, we're ending the series with a question that I hope helps you as you navigate life and faith and something I come back to over and over again when I'm faced with these kind of crossroads in this life because sometimes faith and life, well, they just seem at odds and we need something to help us work through all of that because at some point in your life, if it hasn't already happened, you're going to be tempted to unfollow Jesus. At some point, all of us are going to get to this point where we're tempted to walk away, leave it behind, and do our own thing. And perhaps for you this morning, you've already unfollowed Jesus. You've already walked away. You said, that's not for me. I'm not interested in that. It's not helpful in this area of life. And perhaps today you're saying, hey, I'm going to give church one more shot. I'm going to give it one more to see if God speaks to me. And today, well, he is. And before you walk away, and no matter what you have going on, I want you to ask this important question. I want you to deal with this one thing before you choose to unfollow Jesus. And this question comes up, well, in the middle of one of his conversations with his followers. Here's what's going on. If you have your Bible with you, you can open up to John chapter 6. If you don't have it, it'll be back here on the screen behind us. Here's what's going on. Jesus had just fed 5,000 people who were traveling with them with five loaves of bread and and two small fish. He took this and he multiplied it to where 5,000 people um, got to eat. They had their fill and they actually had leftovers. And of course, people were amazed at what he'd done. In a time where food was scarce, in a time where there were no refrigerators to save it for later, Anyone who could produce this much food is somebody you wanted to be your friend or at least be in charge of everything to make sure everybody eats this way for the rest of their lives. So after this, it says, when the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we've been expecting. 
when Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king. How do you force someone to be king, by the way? They were like, look, you're going to be in charge. We're going to overthrow Rome. We're going to make you king. You need to do this. They were going to force him to be their king. He slipped away into the hills by himself. So again, as we've talked about several times throughout this series, they didn't understand who Jesus was. They didn't understand what he was doing. Remember, they were awaiting this military leader to overthrow Rome, to allow the, the, the people of God to be the people of God without any oppressors once again. So they're waiting for this king, and they're like, look, this guy must be from God. We're going to go ahead and make him king. It doesn't matter what he wants to do. We're going to make him be king. And so Jesus walked away. He walked away from him. He said, Look, that's not what I've come to do. So he goes up by himself. The disciples set across the lake by themselves. So Jesus goes one way. The disciples go the other way. And this is that story where Jesus ends up meeting them on the lake. Do you remember how he got on the lake? What did he do? Yeah, he walked on water. Y'all ever done that before? No, never. T- I've tried. It has never worked out. 100% of the time, I haven't been able to do it. Yeah, but that's where Jesus goes out, walks on water, meets him in the boat. Well, the crowds knew Jesus didn't go across the lake, so they looked for Jesus, couldn't find Jesus. He just fed them. They wanted some breakfast, so they started looking for Jesus again. When they couldn't find him, they said, hey, let's go across. Let's see if the disciples know where he's at. So they go to the other side of the lake. They see that Jesus is there with his disciples. They say, this doesn't make any sense, Jesus. How did you get here? And Jesus gets straight to the point, as he always does. Verse 26 says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want me because, excuse me, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. So he, he gets to their motives. They're looking for Jesus once again because they want something from him. They were filled up, right? They were satisfied, so they wanted some more food. But they didn't realize that the miracle, this sign, was pointing to something greater right in front of them. But rather than looking behind what was going on and understanding the deeper meaning, they just wanted some more food. So he continues, verse 27. He said, but don't be concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man came to give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. And there's a lot to unpack there. But Jesus is rebuking their materialistic beliefs about the kingdom of God and what Jesus had actually come to do. Now listen, it's not wrong for them to be hungry. It's not wrong for them to even search for Jesus, but to use Jesus to support your own agenda, to use Jesus to get what you really want, well, we learned from Judas that doesn't work very well. And it's not going to work very well for you either, trying to just use Jesus as a prop, as a tool to get what you really want. So he tells them, look, you're looking for me because of the food, but there's something different. There's something this miracle is pointing to. It's what God is doing in front of them. This miracle should show them that, look, Israel's God is working through Jesus, that he is doing something, something greater, that he is at work. So he's saying something's happening in front of you that needs to confirm who I am and what I'm saying. Like, in other words, the miracle is not about the food, but because you saw the food and you saw the miracle, you should be like, hmm, now what's he saying about himself? Like, if he can do this, then maybe that other stuff he's saying is true. So he's saying, look, don't just look at the the physical. 
Look beyond that to the spiritual. Something else is happening. So don't work for food. Spend your energy working or looking for the, 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 this eternal life, what God is doing. And so they replied, verse 28, they replied, we want to perform God's work too. What should we do? So they miss it. Instead of focusing on the spiritual, now they're working on this uh, spiritual internal. They're, they're like, well, how can I work? What does God want me to do? Jesus is like, okay, you've missed what I'm saying. Let me just get to the point. Here's what God wants you to do. Here's what he wants me, you, them to do. Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. This is what God wants from you. He wants you to believe in the one he sent. What God requires, what he has always required, is faith. Not an abstract faith, but a faith in the one he sent, whom is Jesus. And when we say this idea of believe in the Bible, we got to step back a little bit because it doesn't mean the same thing it means to us today. When you see the word believe in the Bible, it, it, it communicates the idea of trust and obedience. It's not just this head knowledgement, but it's understood as actually trusting in and believing in and then being obedient because of the things he is saying. So to believe in Christ is to trust him with your life and then be obedient to him with your life. If you're entrusting to him your entire life, then you're going to use your life for him. So he wants you to believe, to understand, to trust and obey him. And they answered, Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. How many people did he just feed the day before? Yeah, come on. Don't act like you wouldn't do this too. Let me get one more trick. I'm actually hungry. I'll take some eggs this time. Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? Let's see it, Jesus. After all, right, now they're going to point to the Old Testament. They're going to use the Bible against them. It's interesting. After all, our ancestors ate manna while they were on the journey through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Say, so Jesus, we need you to do something. We know you fed 5,000 people. That's pretty cool. But Moses, Moses gave our people bread for like 40 years. You did it once. Can you do it for the next 40 years of my life, Jesus? What do you got for me? What can you do? Jesus replies, Moses. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. You're looking at the wrong person there, folks. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God that is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And Jesus says, listen, it's not about Moses. You're missing the point. It's about what God did through Moses. It always goes back to what God is doing. And he said, he is the true source of bread. God's the one who provided this. And now the father offers this true living bread, this other bread that gives life to the entire world. So God is now providing the world with something greater than the physical bread, greater than just the stuff you eat. There's something else he's doing something that's going to meet your deepest desires. They said, well, that's great. They said what you'd say. Verse 34. Sir, they said, give us this bread every day. Let's just cut to the chase. I want it every day. Can you feed me every day? I want it, all of it. Jesus replied, okay. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. 
Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He takes it back to here's what God requires. What does God want us to do? Faith. Believe in his son. Well, what works do we need? Okay, okay, let's work through this. Well, what can you do? What can you do? And he comes back to it all again. Look, I'm the bread of life. This belief in me, coming to me, understanding me. This is what God wants from you. So if you want, you must come to Jesus. He's saying, I'm the substance to your life, your source of strength and nourishment. And so then they do what they always do. They started complaining. So what do you mean you're from heaven? You're not bread from heaven. We know your parents. You don't look like bread. What is this nonsense you're saying? How can you talk like that? It says, Jesus, we know where you came from. This isn't true. Like, what are you doing? And so he addresses their grumbling and complaining and takes it even further. He says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread which I offer so the world may live is my... Say that with me. And we all said, do what? What do you mean it's your flesh? And so we know that Jesus isn't talking about cannibalism. He's connecting what he's done, the miracle they saw, to this spiritual element, to something else deeper. To eat the living bread means to accept the sacrifice that he's going to do for them. To trust in Christ for our daily nourishment and strength. And the people, he said he has to eat their flesh. They're like, okay, I don't understand. Verse 52. And the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. Wouldn't you? Aren't you just waiting for me to explain that away, what he said? Like this idea, how can this man give us his flesh to eat, they asked. So they start debating, they start arguing about what he really means. So Jesus is like, oh, I wasn't clear enough. Let me be clear. Verse 53. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person up on the last day. Let's pray and go home, okay? Yeah, so we do know that this is a spiritual sense. Now, stay with me. Remember in, in, in John chapter 3, we see this man named Nicodemus. Remember Nicodemus? How many of y'all heard of Nicodemus? Read your Bible if you haven't. Okay, yeah, read Nicodemus. Jesus says, hey, you got to be born again, right? Nicodemus is this well-taught, great leader, smart guy. Jesus says, you got to be born again. Do you remember what Nicodemus asked him? He said, how can I enter back into my mom's womb? To which Jesus is like, that's not what I mean. Right, so they're taking everything he's saying very literal. They're like, Nicodemus like, how can I go back to my mom's womb? Jesus like, that's, that's not how you'd be born again. That's not what that looks like. In the same way, Jesus talking about eating his flesh, drinking his blood. We're like, wait, is he being literal? No, he is not. It's something different. He's describing faith in the sense of nourishment. He's describing faith in, in the sense of feeding off of Jesus. Instead of always looking to bread, instead of always looking to that next thing to satisfy you, Jesus will satisfy you. He will be your nourishment. So we want to feed from Jesus. And thankfully, looking back on this, right, this was towards the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Looking back, we see him put in, he'd instill the Lord's Supper, where we symbolically, 
Thank the Lord. Eat his flesh through the the bread and we drink his blood through the cup. So we remember during that time of communion, his body that was broken, his blood that was shed. So we understand it in that, that he's pointing to something different. But we see Jesus talk about this eternal life, this promise to raise him up with him. Thankfully for us, we can look back, understand it a little bit better than they could. And they did what probably some of you would do. Maybe I would do. Here's what it says, John chapter, yeah, verse 6 says, Many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? His teachings were offensive. They were like, this is too much. Like, I, this whole eat your flesh, drink your blood, like, I, like, this is way too much for me. I can't deal with this. And so often when we are challenged by Jesus' teachings, we have a choice and they have a choice. And so they will decide. Verse 66 tells us, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. They left. They walked away. They said, look, we, we can't handle what you're teaching. It's just too much. We, don't, we, we can't handle this. And so Jesus then looked at his followers and said this, his, the twelve. Says Jesus turned to the twelve and asked them, Are you also going to leave? You want to go with them? You thinking about walking away? Do you want to unfollow me in this moment? And folks, this question is so relevant for us today because there are so many times, if we're honest, where we're thinking about unfollowing or walking away from Jesus. Sometimes we think about unfollowing Jesus because his teachings are just too hard. We cannot accept the fact that Jesus calls something sin. Our society says, well, it's not a big deal, but Jesus says it is a big deal. So there are quite often times, if we read Jesus, you're going to be offended. I'm just letting you know. There are often times when we read his teachings, we're like, man, I don't know if I can follow this. I don't know if I want to be on board with this. And we think about walking away. Rather than allowing God to teach us his design, we want to live for our own desires. Or perhaps it's a transition in your life. Some of you think about unfollowing or did unfollow because of transition in your life. Maybe you went off to college. And being a Jesus follower just doesn't seem like the thing to do in college. We went to church because our family did, but now we don't have our family. See ya. We pretend we go when our parents ask us, right? We, we lie. We tell them about the closest church we've ever heard of. We say, yeah, I go there. But when we get to college or we move out on our own, we're like, man, I don't, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. None of my friends are. And my friends are having plenty of fun. It doesn't seem to bother them. So maybe I'll just unfollow Jesus at college. Or maybe you get that new career, that new job. You have too much time. The bills are stacking up. You don't have enough time to really get involved with Jesus. So we kind of just, not right now, Jesus. Or maybe you want to unfollow him over relationship. You met that guy or girl, and you don't want your religion getting in in the way of your relationship. So let's just unfollow Jesus in that. We put him on the back burner so we can get with him or her, thinking somehow it's just going to work out great. Or maybe when your marriage gets rocky, you're thinking, I know what Jesus says, but you know what they did to me? You know what she, you know what he did to me? So I don't, I don't know if I want to follow Jesus in this moment. Or what about, what about unfollowing him when times get hard? When tragedies come up? 
when he doesn't answer the prayer that you want him to answer the way in which you want him to answer. We all get tempted to just walk away, do it on our own, do it a different way, or perhaps, just perhaps, you got hurt at church. That thing you saw, that person you met, you just can't, and you don't want to be a part of, of that. You say, if that's what Jesus says, I'm done. I'm walking away from it all. You and me, we are going to have moments in our life. If you haven't had them, you will. You're going to have moments in your life where his teachings or the unexpected or the transitions or the tragedies, where something happens in your life, and you're going to be tempted to just walk away, to unfollow, to do something different. Just like his disciples were in this moment. I mean, his teachings are ridiculously offensive. He's making all of their friends mad. He's making all of their religious leaders mad. All the crowds are walking away. It's easy just to follow along if everyone else is doing it. And so he asked them, do you want to leave too? To which Peter jumps in, as always jumps in. This time he gets it right. Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You see, Peter recognizes something in that moment that most people don't realize till it's too late. Who can I go to? If I'm not following you, then I'm following someone else. If I'm not chasing after you, I'm chasing after something else. Because when you choose not to follow Jesus, when you choose to walk away from him, you're putting something else greater than, more important than, and you're choosing to follow that. So Peter pauses and says, Lord, to whom, where, what can I go? He replied, continued, he says, you have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. And this is so relevant for us because it's in these moments, these pivotal times, when we're thinking about unfollowing, we're thinking about walking away, that to pursue something else, we ask this and we come back to dealing with who is Jesus. This is what's kept my faith intact over my entire life, coming back to dealing with the person of Jesus Christ. Because if not him, then who? If not Christianity, then what? What am I turning towards? Because our faith starts with Jesus. It's who he claimed to be, what he claimed to do. And we can get distracted and elevate all these other things above him, greater than him. But it all comes back to him. And Peter keeps the main thing, the main thing. He's like, well, Jesus, who am I going to go to? I've seen too much. I've heard too much. How can I walk away? You see, C.S. Lewis popularized the trilemma of Jesus. Here's what he says. Maybe some of you have heard this before. He says, I'm trying to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. Next slide. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. 
You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. He said, but let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us, and he did not intend to. C.S. Lewis points to this, and I, perhaps you've heard that quote before, that we have to deal with Jesus' claims about himself if we're thinking about walking away from him. We have to choose between Jesus being a liar, a lunatic, or the Lord. And that's what I cannot shake. If we can look past our parents, if we can look past our professors, if we can look past those pastors we grew up with, if we can look past those wounds, we have to look past all of that and come to dealing with Jesus. What he claimed, what he taught, what he did 2,000 years ago. But this idea that Jesus is just a good moral teacher can be anything other than the Lord just isn't something you can deduce from reading his teachings, from reading the gospel. He said some radical things like he claimed to be equal with God and claimed to be the son of God. They called it blasphemy, which is what the Jewish people killed him for. They took him to Rome and said, he's blasphemous, he's claiming this stuff, and they wanted him dead because of it. But nowhere does Jesus just leave this idea of just being a good teacher. Was he simply a lunatic? Was Jesus just, just a mentally ill person who had a God complex, but somehow taught people to be humble, kind, meek, patient, forgiveness, forgiving, generous, and love is the greatest virtue? His teachings literally ended slavery and empowered women, continue to speak to us thousands of years later, and we're just going to chalk him up as a lunatic? I think not. Was he simply a liar who died for nothing? Well, he didn't chase money. He didn't chase power. He didn't chase women or politics. What did he die for? Just to die to keep his lie intact? And then we'd have to argue that all of his followers died just for a lie for absolutely no reason because they got nothing from it. I mean, what's the point of the lie? See, when it comes to Jesus and it comes to our faith, it starts with Jesus Christ. Who he is and the claims he made. And when we're thinking about walking away over that relationship or that job or that other thing, whatever it is for you, when we're thinking of walk away from this man, Jesus, you need to ask, to what am I going to? To whom am I going to? What else is there? What else promises the things that Jesus promises? Who else says the things that Jesus say? I mean, to whom shall I go? This is that question we want to ask over and over when we want to make those decisions we're just going to regret later in life. Those things that we wish we could go back and relive. This question allows you to pause and think through the decisions you're making, saying, if not Jesus, then who? His teachings, transitions, temptations, all of these things will create the unknown. You see, for Peter, well, Peter stuck it out. He clung to his faith even when he didn't understand, even when it was difficult. He was okay with the tension. He said, man, I don't understand the words you're saying, Jesus, but where else am I going to go? Folks, you know it's okay not to know everything. You know it's okay to say, I don't know i got to just trust the Lord on this. I'm still working it out. It's okay to just go, I don't know. 
I just trust Jesus in this moment. But Peter says, to whom shall I go? He said, this is difficult. But who else is offering what you're offering? Who else has done what you've done? Who else, Jesus, what else am I going to possibly do? You see, Peter asked that question and stuck it out with Jesus. And what would happen? His faith allowed him to see that resurrected Savior that confirmed everything else that he said. And folks, it's in those times, those questions, those doubts, we cling to our faith. We say, if not Jesus, then who? We stick it out. We keep going, knowing that on the other side, Jesus will come through. He always does and always will. But we pause in those moments and say, if not Jesus, then who? You see, salvation is free. It costs you nothing. Following Jesus will cost you something. But choosing not to follow him will cost you absolutely everything. It starts with faith. That's what he requires. That's all he has ever required. Faith, trusting in him. And so I ask, are you following Jesus? Not are you saved. Folks, if you grew up in church, that's the question you asked, isn't it? Am I saved? Do I get to cross the thresholds of heaven? But interestingly, Jesus didn't talk like that. He called you and me to follow, to be a part of what he's doing in this world. And so are you following Jesus with everything? Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father. We humbly confess today that we don't understand everything. Lord, we are always constantly confronted with difficulties in this life. Oftentimes, it's too hard to bear, Lord, and we don't know what to do. We don't know where to turn. But we ask you to help us in our unbelief and strengthen our faith and give us the resolve to follow you even in those difficult moments and times. Father, those who've walked away and unfollowed, I pray that today they hear your calling to come back. That you are the good father who has opened his arms wide, ready to receive those who have left. Ready to receive them back into your loving embrace. Father, I pray that they find forgiveness and satisfaction in you. Father, to whom shall we go? Help this question play and replay in our lives when the transitions, tragedies, and other things come our way. Help us stand firm in Jesus. Help us hear your call to continue to follow and put our faith into action in all that we do. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the sweet salvation we found in Jesus. Thank you for forgiving us and saving us for your purposes and your plans. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Will you stand?